Thank you so much, Zach, um, for accepting my invitation for this um, this episode. So we'll start with you, what you do. Sure. Well, you know, first of all, my name is Zach Hackett. I am um, a DevOps engineer by trade. I have a degree in computer science and I graduated university in 2019. So kind of a fresh graduate, I suppose. Uh, it's, it's only been a couple of years here, but um, I grew up in the Northeast US and I'm still living here just across the river from New York City. So kind of been in this area for most of my life. And uh, yeah, now, nowadays I'm just working on building um, CI, CD kind of pipeline infrastructure for software companies. Are you trying a side hustle as well or you focusing just on your full-time work? Yeah, so most of my journey, I've focused on scaling my income so far because that for me is a great place to, to be, have a base, right? It's a great baseline to just have um, a nice, nice income that you can rely on from, from a company. But obviously I don't want to spend my entire life working for somebody else. I'd like to have, uh, something, something that I build myself, something that I can kind of support myself and, uh, build a team on top of not so sure what that'll look like yet, but with Twitter specifically, um, growing up, I, I was raised in sort of a lower middle-class family and I saw a lot of problems that my parents had not having, any real financial literacy. And, and that kind of sparked an interest in me really early on to pay attention to my finances and understand how to leverage my finances to get ahead and to set myself up such that maybe my future family won't have to worry about some of the things that I did as a kid. And so that's kind of what my Twitter is, is sort of being branded around. And, and my personal brand online is kind of focused on just bringing kind of personal uh, finance literacy to early college graduates, folks who just got out of school and kind of kicking off your, you know, uh, living on your own kind of journey uh, in, in that way. So, so yeah, if you want to um, hear more about what I write about in terms of finance and, and building mental models to approach finances mindfully, um, you can follow me at, on Twitter at Zach E. Hackett. And I do a lot of the same material on YouTube, but in a bit more detail because Twitter is not great for tons of detail. So you can follow me or subscribe to my YouTube channel as well to get to get videos on sort of my personal finance journey, as well as uh, career path tips and tricks. And one of your tagline, Twitter tagline is you paid off your student loan. Yeah, yeah. I, I actually haven't paid off all of it. I, I graduated with uh, about $125,000 of debt. And I've paid about half of it down in around two and a half years at this point. So um, pretty aggressive. I, I like to uh, target target those loans pretty aggressively. So I'm, I'm putting as much as I can to them, get them out of the way as soon as possible. Um, and then, you know, we'll see what comes after that when I free up some of that income. But that's so far, it's been it's been a nice journey. I've been able to do it pretty quickly. Awesome. Awesome. That's that's amazing to, to first know that you have already uh, halfway there. And then second, knowing that you have that awareness, many people doesn't even realize that, uh, this is something that they can do like pay off early. And, and, uh, once you pay off, you have, uh, uh, everything that you're earning is for yourself then. Exactly. Yeah. I like to think of it as you're, you're almost investing in a raise, right? You're putting in a little extra money up front to tackle those loans early. But as soon as you get rid of that monthly payment, you have all that extra income to now spend on maybe other things or invest or, or whatever it may be. Um, so I kind of think about it as I'm investing in a raise in the future. Cool. We're going to come back to this topic, but let's start sure. with uh, uh, what you wanted to become 
when you was in high school? Yeah, so growing up, um, prior to high school, even I wanted to be an archaeologist. I really liked kind of the the idea of like digging up things and discovering old like hidden artifacts and all that kind of stuff. Uh, but once I got to school in in high school, that is, I took a programming class and it was in Java, uh, which was the first language that I really started playing around with, and I fell in love with programming. Um, so I knew pretty much a sophomore year of high school, around age maybe fifteen or sixteen, I knew I wanted to do something programming related because I really enjoyed it. And I just got kind of lucky that the thing I really enjoyed also is a lucrative field. Um, it just kind of lined up well for me, but I, I firmly believe that you should do what you enjoy over something that pays well, because if you are enjoying what you do, then the money will eventually kind of follow. Um, and so I just kept programming. I started learning Java, moved on to web development technologies like HTML, CSS, things like that, and just kind of built side projects. And then went into uh, college looking for a degree in computer science. Will you have any kind of fascination when you was thinking about archaeologists that what you're going to find when you dig something? I was always really into dinosaurs. I know it's more like paleontology, <laughs> but obviously, you know, dinosaurs are super cool. So I always like that kind of thing. But I always I also had like some sort of fantasies of going into ancient tombs and discovering random, uh, you know, treasure troves that somebody forgot and is like long lost, like treasure troves from, you know, maybe ancient Egyptian Kings or something like that. I always thought that would be really, really interesting to be a part of the excavation process there. So once you finish your college, um, is this the first job that you got? It's not actually. Um, I, so I, I applied for a few jobs in my senior year of, of college. Uh, fall semester, I did a lot of my sort of application and interviewing processes for, uh, for jobs. Um, I ended up getting a job with a company called Nielsen, which does sort of data analytics on a global scale. And I, I started there and it was sort of a rotational program. I was supposed to be on one team for a year and then they would move me to another team and kind of give you... Um, a view of different areas of the company before you settle down in a specific spot for your more full-time position. And the position they put me into was a bit weird. It was a little bit um, amorphous. Nobody really knew what they wanted me to do. It was a team of myself and my boss, uh, and I didn't really have any day-to-day directions. So I picked up some side projects with a different team and just kind of like scouted around asking for other teams that needed help. And I started working on some automation tools, just doing some programming. Mm-hmm. and I built up a rapport with this other team and it ended up, they ended up basically hiring me uh, to work for them full time. And that's what got me into the DevOps field. Um, so I moved from Nielsen to the company I'm at now, which is actually under, um, it's a an acquisition by IBM. So technically I'm at IBM right now, but um, that's kind of, and I, I interned at IBM too in college. So it's a weird way to get, get back to them. Um, yeah. So when you was in college and uh, managing your finance, um, how did you do that? Yeah. So back in college, I actually did everything via spreadsheets. I would keep the biggest piece of personal finance, in my opinion, is a budget. If you don't have a budget, it's really, really difficult to get anywhere with your finances. I, I like to think of it as, you know, when was the last time you took a drive without a GPS or you took a road trip and you didn't use your GPS, right? the destination's great, but if you don't know how to get there, it doesn't matter. And the budget is your roadmap to financial freedom. So 
I really tried to build a budget as soon as I was off on my own, <laughs> so to speak. And so I, I did everything via spreadsheets. I would keep all of my receipts and every day or every few days, depending on uh, whether I remembered to do it or not, I would go in my spreadsheet and just update all the amounts with, with receipts. I quickly learned that that is a really, really tedious thing to do. Um, so I've since moved away from the spreadsheet and I'm using an app called every dollar to do that now, but there are plenty of apps out there. Yeah, I think it's phenomenal. Um, and it works because it, it, it lets me handle finances in the way that I think about them. I've tried other apps and I wrote a thread on, uh, on Twitter about all the different kind of most popular apps that are out there for budgeting. Um, so if every dollar is not your thing, that's, that's great. There are plenty of other options, but that's just the one that fits the way that I think about my finances the most. Um, so that's what I use. Um, and that's kind of where it started, like I said, with spreadsheets and just trying to keep track of all my receipts. Um, where did you get this inspiration that you need to manage your budget? You need to kind of understand your finance and track it. So is that a family thing or you heard from someone or what? Yeah, it, it stems back to my family. When I was about nine years old or 10 years old, I heard a lot that like my parents couldn't afford something that I had asked for, or um, I had heard them sort of discuss how they couldn't afford certain things. And uh, it didn't really settle well with me. Even at that age, I, I just didn't, didn't like the idea that there would come a time where it's like, I'm not sure that I can afford this thing. And so at that time, I didn't quite understand the personal finance side of it or like how you get to a point where that's not a problem. But I understood my parents can't afford something. I want that thing. I need to go work to be able to afford it myself. And so I started working when I was 10, uh, babysitting and like mowing lawns in my neighborhood and, and things like that. Wow. And picking up whatever whatever odd jobs I could just to try to make some extra cash to buy whatever random toys or whatever I wanted. Um, and it took a few years until I got like a, a more regular sort of job before I realized that in order for finances or wealth to be built, you really need to have a plan about how you're handling the money that you're earning. What I noticed was throughout those, you know, maybe five years or so from when I started working till I got like a more real job, I guess. Um, what I noticed was I didn't have any money left, right? I was spending everything. And my thought there was, well, if I'm spending everything and something happened, like, you know, now I'm starting to work at a more, more real job and I'm close to getting a license. I don't have any money to buy a car, um, things like that. I realized that saving was super important. And I noticed again that my parents weren't really able to do that prior to having kids. And so that was something I started to think about, well, I want to be able to save so that when something comes up, I can deal with it and not be stressed out about whether I can afford it or not. I also saw the way that it affected my parents in terms of their relationship. And so I also wanted to be able to give my future spouse the ability to stay at home if, if she wanted to, not have to work if she didn't want to, and kind of give us both the freedom of, well, we don't feel like working right now. We don't have to. Awesome. And last question on this. Uh, are you following someone like Dave Ramsey if you're following every dollar? Um, I am a firm believer that you can never stop learning. There's never enough uh, time really to learn everything that you could learn. So I follow a whole lot of people in terms of, of okay. keeping myself up to date on personal finance stuff. I don't agree with Dave Ramsey on a lot of things. Um, mostly his, his views on debt, I think are maybe a little too strict. 
but um, I like to take in everything I can. If I don't agree with it, I don't agree with it. And that's fine. But it helps me understand people's perspectives. And that helps me talk to people about finances better because I can more holistically understand how a lot of people think about finances. So yeah, I'll, I'll basically listen to anybody who wants to talk about them. Nice. I want to ask you about your uh, um, investment. Are you Have you started your um, Roth IRA or any type of stock type investments? Yeah, I, I'm invested in a handful of different things. I do have a Roth IRA. I have a 401k and then I have a just a generic brokerage account that I also put funds into. Awesome. Um, and I just recently started investing in art as well um, as sort of just a way to diversify asset classes. And I'd love to get into real estate. That's kind of my big goal for 2022 is to get my first rental property. We'll see if that happens, but I'm, I'm working towards it. Rental properties are amazing. Uh, it does require work time to time. So I do have some and I manage my... Sometimes it just things come up and you get scared. But at the same time, if you can handle a few things with your hand, uh, things are fine. Yeah, I'm, I'm really excited to get into it. Um, and I think probably the first property I would try to manage myself. I'm not super interested in managing properties. So eventually I would definitely hire a, a PM. But for now, uh, I just want to get it. I just want to get into the game. So we'll see what happens and how the market looks and everything. And, and I know whether or not I can get started on that, but it's, yeah, it's crazy too high right now. Yeah. You're doing great with your finance you have awareness and you, you have actions, you, you have uh, paid off half your um, student loan. So amazing. When you get into the relationship, especially when you get married, uh, this other person, whoever that person will be, will have their own belief system, their, their own um, uh, spending habits. So how are you planning to handle that? Because without you two in sync, it's not going to be that great. Absolutely. I actually, I am already married. So. Oh, you um, are. I should have. I am. I am. Yeah. So in, uh, in, I've, I have had to go through that. Um, one thing that I try to do a lot and my, my wife is not very interested in finances. So it's something that I've definitely taken by the reins in terms of which of the two of us are, are doing it, but I think it's extremely important for both members of a relationship to be equally involved in the finances. You both need to be aware of what's going on because finance is a huge, huge way that people kind of, yeah, for lack of a better term, ruin their relationships if you're not communicating well about finances. So we actually do what we call a board meeting every single month okay. where we talk, we talk about our like upcoming calendar for the next month. We talk about our finances for the next month. We talk about chores for the next month. And it's just a way to sort of sit down and pause month to month and make sure that we're nothing's getting away from us. We'll talk about, you know, things relationally that went well or didn't go well that might maybe we need to talk about. And that kind of just lets us reset for the month coming up and make sure that we're on the same page. In terms of, of con conversations around the actual like financials of, of our lives, um, it really depends on the month. Sometimes it's easier to have a conversation than others. And, um, it was difficult to get my wife on track or on the same page about how aggressively I want to invest and how aggressively I want to pay down loans. Um, I think it's not necessarily something that you can teach people, but it is really important 
to try to stress the the importance of investing early and obviously with compound growth just the way that that works um, from a mathematical perspective the earlier you start investing the less you actually have to invest long term in order to find financial freedom and um, it's sort of that delayed gratification piece right where you may have to go with a little bit less right now but you're going to end up with so much more later if you do that and there's just you know there's an amount of communication you have to have between the two of you to get on the same page about that. And we had some balance, right? Where, okay, I wanted to invest whatever the amount was, like a really high number. Uh-huh. She thought maybe it was too much. So we kind of balance out a little bit and and uh, adjust as needed to, to make both of us happy that way. Are you sure you're 25? You sound like 25. <laughs> I, I am 25. You're so yeah. uh, this is... Um... This is so pleasant to see someone with this um, this thought, and also uh, you're you're implementing that in your practice, and not only your own practice, but you're also um, guiding, mentoring, coaching your wife. It's amazing. I don't know how you. Thank you. I really appreciate that. <laughs> but uh, all this uh, this hard of uh, hard work. All this hard work will pay off um, just 10 years from now. I'm not even saying that 50 years from now. Yeah, and that's, you know, I'm glad you said that number because that is my goal right now. My my retirement number is 35. Um, not to say that I'll stop working. I think that's actually, I think that's a pretty antiquated view of retirement. Um, I just want to be able to do what I want with my time. and And for me, the most important investment is relationships. And I think if I can step away from my nine to five at an early age, I can build into relationships in my life a lot more aggressively, right? I can invest in those more aggressively. And so that's kind of my goal with, with uh, why I'm even doing the finance thing in, in the first place. That's amazing. What do you want to become in the next five years, 10 years? That's a great question. Uh, I, I'm the type of person who will have like a five-year plan, a 10-year plan, a 15-year plan, but then I'm very aware that like none of those plans could come true. You know, I'm, I'm ready to throw the plan out, I guess, if something comes up and coming into this, this job last year, I didn't really know exactly what I wanted to do. I've never, I, I've never consulted before. So that was kind of the new piece to me was like, will I enjoy working with clients on a regular basis? Will I enjoy the consulting side of things? Mm-hmm. Um, and what I've learned this past year is that I like to solve the problem. I like to hear what the client is having problems with, come up with the solution, but then I don't always particularly care to implement the solution. So I'm moving towards a solutions architect kind of role where I can, okay. I can do that. I can be the problem solver, but then I can pass off uh, to a, a DevOps engineer to actually build the, the solution out. Um, and that'll be a little more client facing. It'll be a little more on the pre-sale side, which I'm interested to see. I, I'm starting to get more interested in how the business operates uh, and learning kind of business uh, attributes and things like that, which hopefully will help me down the line in terms of uh, whatever personal endeavors I decide to do. Um, and with Twitter, I'm learning, really trying to focus on the writing and build out my ability to to write technically and write well in a way that people gravitate towards and can understand without you know, feeling confused or any of those sorts of uh, feelings. So that's kind of where I'm looking, uh, hopefully moving into that solutions architect role, like I mentioned. And then, and then we'll see, I want to do something with finance overall. I'd love to be like writing eBooks on, on the topics, Um, Mm -hmm. maybe build a SaaS that might help certain people with, with a particular area of personal finance. 
not so sure that about that yet. I haven't really fleshed any of those ideas out. Um, for now, I'm just trying to build the audience and the community and get myself out there uh, with conversations like this one where folks can kind of um, get to know me a little bit. I can get to know them and we can just build this community on Twitter. And, and from there, once I have the community in place, kind of see where it goes and what people need. I took a couple of years just to decide, do I want to go in the management field? or architecture field because I love it so much. Um, but then I decided to go into management field and then things started changing. My perspective started changing after being a manager for a couple of years. When I started seeing that I am able to affect people life. As a manager, um, you get so many opportunities where you, um, what you're talking to your uh, team member or um, maybe it's an inspiration, maybe some, maybe a challenge that uh, you're offering to somebody. Each of the steps that you take can affect the other person uh, to be some something, someone um, in, in their life. So that was a remarkable journey. And then um, um, taking something to finish line was another exciting thing that I realized that I like to do is to whether it is project management or whether it is uh, the delivery management, you name it, or bringing people together and have them work. And if they are missing something, if they need uh, either a resource or a person or technology, then bringing that and giving it to them so that they can continue uh, to to operate. Those type of things is so much exciting later on. Um, and and uh, um, again, you probably gonna encounter same type of uh, experience and those experience will start guiding you um, what you will be in uh, 10 years or 20 years from now. Um, and you're already thinking about uh, um, next 10 years. And um, I think uh, by that age, um, and obviously, if you have the financial freedom, you can focus more on the item that um, um, will be more fulfilling. Um, but yeah, well, I, I'm, I'm, go ahead. I, I was just curious if you could give me a little more um, insight, I guess, on, on that aspect, because that was something when I when I started my career, I I started in software development and I didn't really like the idea of having to interact with too many people. So I thought software was great, right? I can just sit at my computer, I can hack out some code and, and it'll be great. And then when I moved into the consulting business, I am interacting with clients, I'm interacting with coworkers on a more regular basis. And I realized like, I do like impacting people's lives. And I think um, I've had a couple of managers myself that have really impacted me. And I'd love to be able to do that for people in the future. So I, I guess my question to you is, is when did you make, in terms of your career, when did you make the switch from, uh, I guess, the tech side into management? Like how many years into your career did, were you comfortable with making that move or when was it uh, the opportunity came up? That's a great question. In my case, it happens around uh, uh, about seven years of experience. Um, okay when I became a team leader and right after I became a manager. Um, but I, I believe that I waited too long. 
I would encourage other people to do it sooner. Um, what happened, at least in my case, that um, I was very driven by what people are saying, what people uh, opinion about my work and uh, about me. So I would uh, share my aspiration with someone and depending upon how that person is responding, my confidence level would go up and down. And I think it was because I was looking, because I guess I was not confident or I did not know that uh, only I can decide whether I'm ready or not. So in from inside, I was not feeling ready. So I was looking for aspiration outside that somebody else will have such confidence and everybody, um, the, the challenge is, if you are not ready, if you don't believe yourself, most of the other people will not believe you. So alternate method is you have to believe in yourself. You have to feel ready and then you go after other people and then they just listen to uh, your, um, your confidence. So to answer your question, I think, um, any time between three to five years is enough experience for somebody to start um, acting as a team leader or as a manager. Um, Great. Okay. That's, that's comforting to hear because that's, I think everybody deals with this, right? But that's something that I have noticed, especially with this new company that I'm at. Uh, and I, I call it new, but I, you know, I've been here a year, but um, I work with some really intelligent people and imposter syndrome is a yeah. real issue everybody deals with it. And so there can be a lot of times where I'm like, do I actually belong here? Is this, is this what I should be doing? Because these people can run circles around me in terms of technical talk or, or whatever it may be. But then I go into like uh, reviews with folks and, you know, I get a lot of praise and it feels really good. But at the same time, I'm like, are you sure you're talking about me? <laughs> so it's nice to hear you say that. Cause I'm coming up on that, that sort of uh -huh. timeline. I'm about into my three, three and a half years into my career. And um, starting to pick up some amounts of leadership, uh, roles here. So, um, we'll see how that evolves and I'm, I'm excited to, to see what I can do there, but that's, that's great advice to take the confidence and just kind of run with it because, um, that's, that's what people respond to. I really appreciate that. Um, so two, two follow up ways on that one is, um, if you do your own review monthly, quarterly, um, and you start evaluating yourself, you will actually stop looking for praise outside. Mm. And um, looking for praise outside, this is the whole system that we have gone through. When we was child, we was looking for praise from our parents to see if we did right or wrong. Same thing with the college system, same thing with the schooling system, teacher response and other people response. So somehow you, how to break that cycle of looking for praise and appreciation from other people. Mm. And one way to do that is to do your own review, what you have accomplished in the last one month, for example, uh, and uh, what else you could have done, best moment, all that, right? There are a couple of questions and then there are guided uh, checklist as well that you can use, prompt guided prompt that you can use to answer those questions. So first, mm -hmm. at some point, you have to get over that uh, uh, 
um, confirmation from other people on your work. And then the second thing is um, work level up without a title. So in most big companies, you can start working at the next level even though they have not promoted you. So, for example, a team of four people, if you have an opportunity to be acting as a team leader for a project, for a task, it doesn't have to be um, for everything, right? But if there is a project and you, you can take lead and act as a team leader on that, um, then those are the opportunities that you can take early on. You don't have to wait for... Um, somebody to confirm your title change. Those are the moments where you can show to yourself how well you're liking it, how well you're doing this, and you gain the ex- uh, experience and confidence. Yeah, that's a great point. I'm going to have to keep an eye out for this. <laughs> yeah, those are the two advice that I would say. Um, one is to start looking, to stop looking for praise outside. And second is uh, any opportunity do you, you see, you start acting a step up. On those um, and that's, yeah, that's great advice right, right. and again you're showing it to yourself so um, other people are not felt threatened or challenged right yeah that's a good point too yeah you you know it's still still teamwork and you still have to work as a team it's not like you're trying to uh, belittle anybody you work with but yeah just trying to prove to yourself that you can handle a certain task and um, take the step up I, yeah I think that's a great motivation and, and a great way to approach that Awesome. All right. So we're going to move to the next section. Sure. <laughs> um, what's your goal setting methods? That's a great question. It <laughs> tends to change for me. I'm still sort of exploring what, um, what works for me. And I think obviously with a lot of the things we've talked about, it's, it's a personal thing. I, you know, it's something different works for everybody, everybody sort of differently. Um, right now I try to do, um, I do an annual review for myself at the end of each year. And that kind of sets up what my annual goals for the following year might look like. Um, and then I, I will try to do a quarterly review just to make sure that some of those goals I set up are, are being tackled correctly. Um, in, in sort of uh, day-to-day sort of goal setting, I use what I call a critical tasks list, which is essentially a to-do list, but a really specific to-do list. Um, I think generally speaking, to-do lists are kind of overused and not used properly. So for me, a critical tasks list is a list of no more than five items. It's usually three to five items Mm -hmm. that I feel I have to get done that day, or I'll feel like I didn't, I didn't have a successful day. Um, And those can be anything from something work-related to a personal thing. It it doesn't really matter. It might be meet with a friend, Um, but those are things that I feel I need to do, or I won't feel accomplished today. Usually my critical tasks are feeding into some sort of bigger goal that I have. It might be a weekly goal. It might be a monthly goal. Um, and I've been doing a lot lately on trying to build habits. So I'm, I'm using this app called streaks on I, uh, on iOS and just keeps track of, of yeah, streaks. And it just keeps track of, uh, of habits. Um, and it's a really cool app, really robust. And it, it, it lets you, um, sort of track things on a daily perspective, a weekly perspective. You can, you can play around with, with all sorts of different stuff there. Um, but I'm trying to build good habits and then also pay attention to my bad habits and break those down and try to get rid of them. Um, 
mostly eating healthy is, is the big one. I'm trying to, to fix my eating habits uh, at this point, but um, in terms of goal setting more specifically, yeah, I tend to just try to rely on that critical task list and then check up on it every, every so often, usually monthly or quarterly to, to make sure that I'm tackling big goals. Like I said, I have those like sort of five year, 10 year, 15 year plans. And those all have like some really big goals. Um, and then one thing I've been reading about a lot lately is, is trying to monitor your process more than the actual goal itself and make sure that you set a process rather than focus on the goal. So I'm, I'm really process oriented right now, trying to just put things in place. Like I said, build those habits and, and make sure that once a goal is achieved, I'm not just going to stop because that, that could be a big problem. And it's at that point, why even bother hitting the goal? Yeah, you definitely lost at 24, 35, 45. <laughs> you're, doing, <laughs> you're doing amazing. I, I'm, I'm really happy that I met you. Um, and if I was like you and my 24-year-old, I don't know what I would have been right now. <laughs> well, thank you. I, I really do appreciate that. And it's great to talk to you too. This has been, this has been awesome. Um, thank you. And then a couple of follow-up questions on that. Number sure. one, for your to-do list, the critical list, are you using a pen paper or a app or what? Yeah. So for the critical task list, I actually use, I've got it right here. I use a, a little sort of notebook, just like a little kind of index card size notebook. Um, that I use pen and paper and I just keep it in a little stand on my desk so I can see it all the time. Um, like I said, those are tasks I feel I need to get done to feel accomplished for the day. So if they're not in front of me, there's a good chance I'm going to forget to do them. And uh, so I do that in pen and paper. I do that every morning. I set those, those tasks. Um, I'd actually like to do them at night for the, for the next day, but still working to adjust my, uh, my sort of routine to get that to work that way. But for now, I'm doing them in the morning. My bigger goal tracking I do on Notion. Um, which is a, an online tool and, um, my I habit tracking, like I said, I, yeah, I love notion. I love it. I don't, I'm not a power user. I don't, I, I use it for a lot of things, but I haven't really gotten into, um, ironically, I haven't really gotten into like the programming side of notion where you can like use functions and stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I still am just scratching the surface on it, but, uh, I do, I do love using it for pretty much everything. Yeah. How did you find that what's your big goals are, what you want to do? That's a good question. I, you know, I'm fortunate in that sort of similar to my career path. I find that a lot of my like big overarching goals kind of fall in my lap in a way in that, um, you know, I want financial freedom. And so that's kind of the big goal is like, can I do whatever I want with my time right now? I can't. So how do I get to a point where I can do that? And a lot of, there are a lot of pieces that go into it. So my biggest goal is just financial freedom, being able to do what I want with my time, with who I want, when I want for as long as I want. And that's the big driving goal for me. That's like, like I said, the 10 or 15 year goal. Um, and then all the other ones kind of stem off of that. So in order to hit financial freedom, I need a good job that pays well. I need to start side hustles. I need to uh, build relationships because without those, the free time doesn't matter. Um, so that's kind of, yeah, that's, that's kind of the big one. Um, and then I just do a lot of reading. <laughs> Honestly, I, I pay attention to people on Twitter and see what journeys other folks are taking. And that kind of helps um, shape mine so I can see, well, this worked for them. It didn't work for this person. Uh, let me take pieces of all of these different journeys and apply them to my own life and see where it leads me. Then you should watch all my episode on career journey, shameless plug. 
Sure. Uh, and I love what you said that uh, take a log of a day or a week and then look back and see what gave you more uh, happiness and um, any book recommendation that you want to give or which are the book that you like? Sure. Yeah. I, I love reading. I have a very long reading list that I am never able to uh, take books out of faster than I add them. So I'm, I'm always reading something new. Um, I'm a big, big advocate for reading nonfiction as well as fiction. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people, especially in like the Twitter spaces are um, very uh, adamant about reading nonfiction, but a lot of people forget to read fiction too. So I read nonfiction in the morning uh, to kind of jumpstart my brain, get me ready for the day. And then I read fiction at night so I can kind of unwind, lose myself in a, in a story and, and get ready for bed. Um, in terms of nonfiction, let's see, my one of the, my favorite books lately has been The Psychology of Money by Morgan Housel. Very, very good approach to understanding finances in a more modern kind of setting. The book was published in 2020, so it has a lot of, you know, it even mentions the, the coronavirus. So it, it's very, very contemporary. Um, and it looks at money from a, a, from a psych, psychological perspective um, instead of um, sort of a mathematical one. And I think it's a really strong approach to money. So that's a great one. I'm reading Atomic Habits by James Clear right now, which is a phenomenal book. Pretty much everybody has at least heard of it. Um, that's another amazing one. And so those would be my two, I think, top okay. um, top nonfiction books. I'm uh, a big fantasy sci-fi fan in terms of fiction. So I've been reading a lot of Brandon Sanderson. The Stormlight Archive is my favorite, uh, favorite book series by far. Um, I would argue that Brandon Sanderson is actually a better writer than than Tolkien, which might get a lot of people mad at me, but um, I love his works. And I'm reading uh, the Mistborn series right now by him as well, which is which is absolutely phenomenal. Do you read physical book, ebook, or audiobook? Um, I don't really do audiobooks, but I do both physical and um, ebooks. I have uh, actually I have it here with me. Uh, this very old Kindle Paperwhite that I use for just about everything. I tell people it's the best investment I've ever made. Yep, that's the one. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. But then I also read read um, physical books. I have a copy of Indistractable by Nir Ayal right next to me um, over here as well, which is the next book I'll start reading when I finish Atomic Habits. And that one, especially when books have um, a, a sort of a, a workbook piece to them or, or some bit of, of uh, work that they ask you to do, I try to get those in physical copies. And then a lot of times I will read them on, on Kindle because I do highlights and then I publish my highlights and notes to my website. Um, and it's a lot easier to port those over from Kindle than it is from paper. Right, right. Um, but if I really like a book, I'll buy it in paper just to have it from like a bookshelf or something. Um, so it's around the house. Man, we, you're doing so many things that kind of like this. This is a book. Um, well, it's, it's called The Three-Minute Rule. It's a book on um, how to prepare a message and presentation and, and um, all that type of thing. So I listened to that book on Audible, and then I like it so much that I buy a physical copy of it. Yeah, I think it's a great way to approach it. I, the, the digital versions of books are typically cheaper, and sometimes you can get them for free if you have like a library card or something. And um, it's a great way to get introduced to the book. And if you really like it, then, then why not support the author and, and pick up a copy and then you can share it with folks. Um, I've got a couple of books that I'm going to send out to like my, my parents in the near future so they can give some stuff a read and it's nice to be able to, to pass that kind of thing along. So um, yeah, I like, I like both. 
Kindle and Audible, you can switch between the two and, and it sync the location exactly where you finish uh, in Kindle. So you're reading here and you, you, you start driving, like you leave, left the house and you start driving, your Audible can pick up the location where you left on this Kindle book. Oh, I had no idea that you could do that. Yeah, That's really I, cool. I, I actually will have to give Audible a look then because I, I haven't used Audible, but if you can do that, that sounds really awesome. You don't have to use a lot of brain or attention. You can just have earplug and you can listen a book. So you're utilizing a type um, that you could not utilize otherwise for reading books. Yeah, I think that's a great a great way to do that. And that's um, what productive downtime, right? Is like is that that's the concept of productive downtime where you're like leveraging time you would otherwise be wasting to do something productive. And uh, I think that's that's great. Yeah, I, I had no idea Audible added that feature, so I would I would love to you know explore that and check that out. I asked so many questions. Is there a question that I did not ask, but you would like to answer? Ooh, that's an interesting question. <laughs> <laughs> Wasn't prepared for that one. Um, no, I think I think that's uh, you. You asked a lot of really great great questions, and I got to kind of spiel about a bunch of stuff that I'm interested in. So I really appreciate the opportunity. Do you have any question for me? My big one was was the career question that you already answered. Um, so thank you for that. I think I'm good. What are you, I'm curious? What are you reading? Like what what do you like to to read? Um, I'm a really big fan of Mel Robin. Um, I spent last four hour, four years um, thinking about what next for me. So um, in my full-time job, I was able to achieve what I wanted to achieve. And then before I commit to the next segment of um, jobs such as director and, and above, I had to decide, do I really want that or do I want something else? And that was a, I think it took almost three, four years for me to thinking, uh, continuously thinking about it. I went to mentorship. I went to coaching. And then Mel Robin, two books, Kick-Ass and uh, Take Control of Your Life. Those two helped me understand or organize my thought, I believe. So I would highly recommend those books. Just like you, I read uh, uh, fiction as well as um, self-help book. And when I switched to a, a combination of both, I was able to finish 58 books two years ago. Wow, that's awesome. That's more than a book a week. That's crazy. <laughs> there is somebody named Benjamin Hardy. And he okay. has a book on your personality can change. Hmm. Um, so I'm reading that. And then there is a trio book from... Um, I forgot the writer name, but uh, um, steal like an artist and show your work. Sure. Yeah, I've read show your work. I haven't read steal like an artist, but I've read show your work. Yeah, so I'm reading steal like an art uh, artist, and I got an audible, audible, a trio. I mean, all three books are combined, and I think those are five hour books. So that's I'm at uh, the first one, and I just finished. Um, um, your personality can change. Okay. Is that per, your personality can change is the same author? No, it's Benjamin Hardy. Oh, that's Benjamin Hardy. Okay. Gotcha. I forgot name of uh, this. Um, I, think, I want to say it's Austin Klein. Austin, yes. Austin. Yes. 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 Um, so that's, that's another one I bought. That, that was one I got in, um, in paper as well. Show your work because that one, like the, the format with the, 
the way yeah. they do the the pages and stuff is just yeah. nicer on paper. After 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 starting that book, I realized that um, um, they have a proper disclaimer that uh, uh, audible experience is different from physical experience. So they have made some adjustments. So that made me think that I should buy a physical or ebook as well. All right. So last question: What sure. is your message to my audience? Um. My audience are people like you who are in their early career or mid career, where they're trying to see what uh, next ten years, twenty years look like for them. Great. Well, in that case, um, I would say my biggest piece of advice would be to plan, but be ready to throw the plan away. Be flexible. Um, allow yourself the opportunity to pivot from your plan, and be true to yourself. Um, really pay attention to what makes you happy, what makes you um, tick and what you enjoy and uh, target things that get you there um, above anything else. You know, if you want to see more of like the same stuff I was talking about from a finance perspective or any of those kinds of uh, mental models or frameworks or, or anything that I use, um, I write about a lot of that stuff on Twitter and my handles at Zach E Hackett. And um, I also have a, a YouTube channel. Thank you, Zach. It was yeah, fun talking to you. Likewise. Yeah, this is, this was a blast. This is the first um, interview that I've done on like a personal brand perspective. Like I've had interviews for the show that I do, but it's all, it's about a card game. It's not about like life yeah. and stuff. So this is the first of these I've done. And it, this is awesome. I'm really, really happy to be here. Ben, you look so normal, so natural in front of camera. It's lit, like you've been doing it for entire life. Thank you. I appreciate that. I do. I think I, I chalk that up to working from home. <laughs> I've had to get very used to working with clients over camera. So uh, I'll, I'll say that's why, but I really appreciate it. That means a lot to me. All right, sir. Thank you so much. All right. All right. Thanks a bunch. I really appreciate it. This was awesome.